What would you do with your life if you knew you couldn't fail? If you had all the money, all the time, all the knowledge, all the resources that you needed, what would you do with your life if you simply knew that anything was possible for you? My name is Christina Carlson, founder of global Swedish design and inspiration brand Dream Life and author of the book Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I love exploring these sorts of questions to inspire people like you to chase your own dream life, whatever that means for you. Many years ago, I wrote down a dream on paper that would one day bring Swedish design to the world and create beautiful, inspiring and meaningful products that would bring sparks of joy into the everyday lives of millions. Now that I have achieved that dream, I want to leverage everything I've learned to help you dream big and to create a global movement to inspire 101 million people to transform their lives and transform the world in return. Each episode will dive deep into the power of dreaming and share real insights and practical ideas that you can use immediately to build a dream life of your own, whatever that means for you. Hi there and welcome back to another episode. Today I have a great guest, he's a friend of mine and every time I have a conversation with him I always think gosh he has so much things to share, so inspiring and so much wisdom and I wish I could share with more people all the brilliant things that he shares with me. So I invited him to my podcast. So today we have Luke Cookie Cook, and he is an entrepreneur who is on a mission to improve the world one conversation at a time. He is an ideas man, change maker, and employee culture specialist. Despite battling burnout and reinventing his business in a day, Cookie found his purpose when he launched Kappa TV. Through interviewing 400 plus experts and working with over 150 businesses, he saw the power of storytelling and conversations to change lives and galvanize communities. Cookie is also a devoted father and a husband who values resilience, empathy, and connection. He is a true inspiration and leads with heart and purpose. And as you will hear in this very inspiring conversation, he's just an amazing human. So let's get into it. Hi, Cookie, and welcome to my podcast. I am so excited to have you. Christina, I'm excited to be on the other side of the microphone and you're interviewing me. That's good. Today, it's International Women's Day and I am in charge. I like it. (laughs) But what I love for our listeners to hear is we have so many amazing conversations outside of recording them. And I really wanted to have you on because I feel you have so much to offer. You always offer me so much inspiration and support. And I felt it was time for my listeners and this beautiful Dream Life community to hear from you. So before we get started, can you please tell us a little bit about your journey? Yeah, it's interesting where to start, but I will start at the start. I was born out of Western Sydney. I lost my dad when I was only four years old. He went to work one day, had a heart attack and didn't return. And, you know, it's sort of like one of those moments where it stays with you because you can remember it. But, you know, my mum and speaking about International Women's Day, you know, a strong role model for me. She took on the role of mother and father and I ended up growing up just being a normal boy. Well, I think so anyway. 
and yeah, managed to go through school. I was always on the stage or or acting or playing up at school sometimes as well. But yeah, I managed to score my first ever job and my first ever job was in radio and I was lightning Luke on the streets of Sydney, handing out free cans of Coke and doing live crosses on the radio. Christina was probably my best job ever, in all honesty, because my role there was about making people happy and, and I absolutely loved it. And I suppose as you go into a career and whenever you put your foot in the door, I was always a big believer of kicking it open as far as I could. And, and I was always one of these people that was progressed through the ranks. The fast forward 20 years in media and advertising, I all of a sudden found myself as sales director of a media organization. And I don't know if I ever aspired to be that. I loved the money that I was getting. It was on a massive six-figure salary, but I ended up burning myself out because I lost what my values were and what my vision was. And I ended up going on a journey of self-reflection. I, I called it recharge to take charge for three months. And I try to understand a little bit about me. But then I went on a journey of building my own tech product, which was called Funlocker, an app. That stopped overnight when COVID hit and I lost everything. I then founded this incredible business that has me speaking to people like you every single day. And Cup of TV has absolutely changed my life. And we will discuss more about that throughout this conversation. But yeah, that's just a snapshot of who Luke Cook or Cookie is for the listeners out there. When your app Funlocker folded as COVID hit, you would have hit rock bottom. How did you go through this painful experience, which I can so relate to, into a path to change lives of others? Stumbled upon it. But the essence of the background of that story around Funlocker, I was the founder who invested everything into it. And when you feel like you've got this vision and, and you want to see that vision come to life, and no matter what barriers were put in front of me, especially financial I just went, I've got to follow my dream and go for it. So I ended up selling my house and using the equity, living off that, plus building a tech product, which I never built an app before in my life, Christina, ever. So I made a lot of mistakes and I learned the hard way of what it's like to be a startup and an entrepreneur. And we're only really getting to our feet after two years of startup phase and learning and, and growing. And when COVID hit, fundamentally our app was stopped overnight and the reason why that was is our app was fueled by money can't buy experiences and there was no money can't buy experiences you couldn't go out of your house and because there wasn't enough funding there we also had a couple of major clients pull the pin and I had two phone calls in one week where it was a couple of hundred grand's worth of revenue we were getting being pulled and that's when it hit me rock bottom because I didn't even know how I was going to put food on the table for my family. I ran out of all my funds and I remember I cried every day, Christina, in, in full transparency. Like there was days where I just didn't even want to get up. But I've always been an ideas man. It's been my Achilles heel that I always think, well, okay, I'm in this position, but what else can I do? And it literally took a walk to my local coffee shop where I bought my double shot latte, which was my only personal joy that I got. Besides, you know, I've got a beautiful wife and and kids, but it was the only thing for me as such. And then I walked back and I, I remember calling my business partner then Jill and just said to Jill, I said, Jill, my mental health's not in a good spot, but I know that the mental health of many others also is in a good spot. Let's just start our day with a dose of positivity and inspiration and let's rally a whole bunch of people like Lane Beachley, the world champion and all those people to come in and let's just help people start their day with some positive news and not the news that we're always being confronted with. And that's how Cuppa started. It literally started from a walk to the coffee shop, a conversation with my then business partner. And then I bought a $40 poster and got it delivered from Officeworks, which is a cafe backdrop that makes it look like I'm in a cafe. And I had my first conversation on April 10th, 2020 with Gus Warland and Fast forward now, we've had over 400 different conversations and now worked with over 180 different businesses, impacted over close to 70 to 80,000 people now. And 
my growth in the last few years has superseded the 20 years that I ever worked in media and advertising. That's for sure. Wow. That is so, so inspiring. To start again isn't easy and even harder when your partner of our beautiful friend Jill passed away as you were just about to launch. And I can't even imagine how you went through that. How did you pull through that? Because I guess there was the thrill of launching and the excitement and the things that you had to keep going with and then go through one of the saddest things I've ever gone through. And I was not even close to her compared to what you were. So Jill was my business partner through the Fun Locker days. So besides my wife, she's the only other one that really knew the ups and downs of what we're going through. You know, there was months there where I couldn't even pay her. She'd work free of charge. She believed in me more than any of the businesses that we ever we were ever a part of. And to have, have someone like that who's just loyal to you, you know, it was such a great journey to be on when we both launched Cuppa together and it started to grow. We started getting feedback and letters of thanks. And we even saved a life one day of someone tuning in on their lowest. And Jill and I were always on this trajectory of what's next. And we decided to turn Cuppa into what I call the Netflix of conversations where we built a platform and we house all content in there and all that type of stuff and make it user-friendly. And we spent a lot of time getting that ready for launch back in 2022 and Jill said to me she goes Cookie I just need some time off we've been working that hard I just need to take a week off and she took a week off went to Noosa as you know Christina and promised herself every morning that she'd get up and do a meditation and then go for a swim and unfortunately the first morning that she went for a swim the ocean got her and I remember the phone call I got this happened really early in the morning and I got the phone call at about 11 o'clock I was at the cupboard getting a snack I got the call that Jill's not here and it was just like one of those moments where I just fell to the floor and she was a friend first and foremost, but she was also my business partner, the person that I would confide in and talk to and get off stuff off my chest and argue over ideas on and all that type of stuff. And, you know, to lose that overnight was so challenging, especially three weeks prior to launching the new platform. And I've had that many things happen in my life that I've been on a journey of understanding that these moments happen. And I call it my life's puzzle where, you know, I've got this vision in life and these things are pieces in my life for that vision. And sometimes those pieces are good. Sometimes those pieces are bad. Sometimes those pieces are big or small. But what I've realized is that not one piece should define us, but all pieces do make us. And I now sit with moments that happen, good and bad. And I sit and look and go, well, where does this piece fit? And whilst I would love to have Jill standing right next to me on this podcast, (laughs) right now with me I knew where this piece fit and it made me realize that what we're building with Kappa is bigger than just the individuals that we were with Jill and myself when I started seeing the community rally around me people like yourself you know Lane Beachley calling me every day I had Paul Ruse calling me human nature was calling me and then the community that we had built together were sending us emails like Cookie you and Jill were here for with us for the last two years helping us through we're now here to help you and you understand that through the power of connection and conversation and being real and honest and authentic you know, when these moments do pop up, it's the people around you that will get you through it. And even the people that got me through it aren't necessarily the people that are the closest to me. They're people that I didn't even know were fans of us and Jill and all that type of stuff. And, you know, it was those moments that really, really inspired me to to move forward because the other thing is I knew straight away when it happened that Jill's would be in my ear going, you're not letting this go. We've worked too bloody hard. You can't let it go. Yeah, amazing. It's the power of community, right? I feel that too with my little dream life community and it's just beautiful. And I did something similar when um, I lost Kiki K and that was to kind of really focusing on who I could help. And I really felt like Jill was 
all that. She was always there 24-7 to help. You know, she now just, you just got that back now with all the things that you've gone through and all the things that you guys did. It was just, it was beautiful. And it was beautiful to see on at her service how loved she was, first of all, but how incredible she was in terms of helping others. And she was always smiling. And I actually have her photo in my office to remind me that life can be short and also that she was such an amazing human. And if I can just be a little bit close to that, then I lived a really amazing life. So like, it's interesting you say that as well. I'm just looking at not only Jill, but, you know, I've lost my dad, I've lost my best mate, Hodgie, and I've also lost Jill. But on the wall next to it, I've got my guiding principles. And one of those aspects is never forget. And it's not about never forgetting them, but it's never forgetting what they taught us. And like for my dad, it was the legacy. I want to leave a legacy that my daughters would be proud of who their dad is, um, the importance of family, the value of time and how short and precious it is. My best mate, when he passed, he gave me the personal belief that no one else did to get me started on my entrepreneurial journey, mateship and making better decisions in life. And then with Jill, it was the fact that she had an unbelievable energy about her, the giving nature of who she was, the joy that she brought and the adventure that she was always looking to do something new and fun. You know, and I think people that are watching, if if you have lost someone, it's really good to just find those little elements that you go, okay, how does this now form part of my guiding principle of who do I want to be by taking those those memories and those moments from those people's closest to you? Yeah, I actually caught up with her just before she um, left to Noosa. And I remember we we're having so many laughs. So when I see her photo on my wall, it reminds me of taking that time for people because it's often you think, oh, just it's just so much, go- much going on. So I'm not going to have that coffee or do that. And it reminds me to actually take the action. So you talk a lot about being true to yourself. So for anyone who are listening and not sure how to do that, how would you go about being true to yourself? It's actually quite interesting. Many of us play roles in our life. Like, you know, I've got to be this person when I go to work and I've got to be that person when I'm at home with my family. And I think too often if we do that, we are left in this sort of tug of war battle of who we actually are. The biggest thing that made me really true to who I am and being able to share vulnerability like this and don't get me wrong, vulnerability is it's an amazing superpower, but it's got to come from a place of strength first before you can really properly be vulnerable and be true to yourself. The, the reflection piece allowed me to be who I am today. I sat down after Fun Locker and I was broken. I sat down and I actually timelined my whole life, Christina. I sat down and I looked at each moment, the good, the bad, the big, the small, like I mentioned before in those sort of puzzle pieces analogy. But going through that reflection piece and seeing what joy I got out of certain situations and why that was, and then seeing the challenges that I've got through and the resilience gave me more confidence in who I am. And that reflection piece actually really did help me into realizing that the journey of Kappa and being true to myself, but then having a broader purpose that I can strive for and a broader vision to make the world a better place for each conversation that we do. That it's been only really the last sort of three years that I actually feel like I have actually felt that I can be really true to myself. And that that reflection piece was a major part of that understanding. That's so good. Reflection is so amazing. And had someone Asked me the other day if I reflect every week and, you know, is that not too frequent? And I think actually we should reflect every day because there are so many amazing moments in one day that life goes so fast. But then sometimes when you stop and I've just been unwell for a few days and I don't obviously don't love being unwell, but there's always a positive out of everything. And that is that it's time to actually take some time to think. And because I had a bit of temperature, so I couldn't really, I didn't really watch watch anything or read anything for the 
first day and I was thinking when you're unwell or you're going through a tough challenge, all you really want is your health and, you know, getting back to who you were. And that's the positives in those kind of moments when you actually take the reflection. And, and a lot of us often don't do it until, you know, you are sick or if you are falling apart or whatever it is. So um, we're going to talk about your journal in a minute, which will help with that kind of daily reflection. I totally agree with you, Christina. And I have these conversations all the time. Like, why does it take something so serious to happen in our life for us to realize the importance of moments that we have? I still can't grasp why that maybe it's more of a lived experience scenario that we have to go through sometimes that makes us realize certain things. Yeah, it's an interesting topic area for sure. Absolutely. So for anyone suffering with any mental health issues right now, what are some of the steps that you do to keep your health in check? There was one thing that I did when when I first reached burnout. My wife and I actually sat down and initially it was pretty confrontational where I said, well, what what is it about me that is not right right now? Because sometimes we get caught in our own head and and sometimes the situations are always bigger than what they are as well. But we actually sat down and we we wrote what we call a red flag list and we started writing down things like drinking too much, shorting conversations, all those different things. And again, it was a bit of a reflection piece and a bit of an honesty truth piece because until we can own it, nothing will improve. And there's a point with mental health that we've got to own the situation first and foremost. And that's what I did with the red flags was we ended up writing down about 10 red flags. And I know just in prior to us even going live, with this, Christina, we just had a chat here and I just said that I've got a few of my red flags popping back up again recently because I've been so consumed with work that um, I'm mainly only averaging like two red flags on the list at any one time, but currently I'm back up to five. And it's good to have that because then you know where you need to pull back on and, and realize where you're at in the journey. Um, but for those people that have had mental health challenges and are suffering from mental health challenges at the moment... The biggest thing you can do is A, is to seek help first and foremost. Like you're not alone. Share your vulnerability with others and, and allow people to support you. Own the own your truth. So own the situation. And the biggest thing that I've realized, Christina, is that the power of one. And the power of one means that we are literally one moment away from our life changing forever. We're one conversation away from improving our mental health. We're one action away. But we, we think when we're in mental health that we have to do everything at once, but it's not. It's those small, gradual steps that we need to do every single day to get us through it. My thing that got me through the darkest of days was owning the morning. That was the one thing that I could do every single day that was for me. That was to get up, move my body, go down to my favorite spot over the water, do a meditation, walk back home listening to some motivational videos or music to get me going, have a shower, spend time with the kids. And I started getting myself into these one moment positive habit rituals. And the one thing I didn't do was I didn't check my phone. Like I didn't look at emails. I didn't use tech to absorb me first and foremost. And, you know, me speaking out loud like this, which tends to happen with me, has made me realize once again that the importance of me owning the mornings I need to get back to. Yeah, right yeah. Absolutely. I did too when I was going through the uh, administration with Kiki K and I've always been a morning ritual person, but it was extra important. Going out in nature, I think is probably my number one actually, because you just feel so much better. It's rare that you come back not feeling a little bit better after a walk, but it's often hard when you're in the middle of the darkness to actually even take that action. And I love how you share that you're only one moment away or one action away or one thought away that 
often we we look at the whole mountain ahead of us. All we need to worry about is the first step. And the first step is always hardest. And I always have a thing where um, if I'm procrastinating on something or it doesn't have to have anything to do with mental health, it can be with you know a task that is difficult or boring or whatever it is, just say, I'm just going to do two minutes. That can completely change everything um, because you just get started because that's always the hardest. So I know you love a conversation and I love having a conversation with you. And I think you have been talking about strengthening our conversation muscle. How do we go about that? <laughs> well, a lot of it's got to do with what we just spoke about then tech, you know, like I think as a society, we've never been more connected as in with technology and stuff like that, but we're definitely been never more disconnected in our relationships and we're getting so addicted to sort of dopamine hit type scenarios where we have to get instant gratification on things that us actually spending the time to listen and learn from others is what I call strengthening our conversational muscle. You know, the biggest learning that I've had, Christina, over 400 odd interviews and my biggest growth area is by having conversations with people that are different from me. And I've been always very true and transparent with this. Like I never sat down prior to launching Kappa, Christina, and I never sat down and had a conversation, a proper conversation that is, with a First Nations person to hear their story. I never sat down and took the time to listen to the wisdom that is passed through the Indigenous people of this country. I I never sat down and I never heard the story of someone who was transgender. I never sat down and I never heard the story of someone who was paraplegic. And I don't mean seeing him on stage. I mean, actually asking the vulnerable questions that I, I would never have asked if it wasn't for the vehicle that I've got now with Kappa. But I will state that I'm a better person for what it is. I have realized many unconscious biases that I... I didn't even know existed, hence why they're unconscious. And some of my best friends now, Christina, are transgender and double amputees. And it's incredible when we have a strong conversational muscle and we push our boundaries outside of our comfort zone, which is always what holds us back. And we start to have conversations with people that are different from us. Our view of who we are, how we act, and also how we see the world around us completely changes. And in a world where we've got keyboard warriors and all that type of stuff, adding their perspectives and all that type of stuff on social media and all that, you might have an opinion, but have you actually sat down and and actually had a conversation with someone about it? And the muscle to me is something that I'm worried about for multiple reasons. The first reason is, is that like anything, If we don't continuously do it, if we don't continuously practice, how do we have better conversations? How do we better connect with our loved ones who are sitting next to us on the couch or across the other side of the world? It weakens if we're not continuously doing it. And we're not right now because technology is taking over. I can call 10 people on the way home in the car, Christina. I'd be lucky to get anyone answering their phone anymore. I'd be very lucky on even three of those people even calling me back. I'd be very lucky if anyone even acknowledges a phone call. What is that saying? You don't know what's on the other line with me. I might be needing to talk. I might need to vent. I might need you to ask me questions to get out the worries or the concerns that might be within me. And so what is that telling us as a society? Like I ramble on here because I'm so passionate by it, as you can probably tell. But it's such an instrumental thing that we need to be focused on right now is how do we strengthen our conversational muscle? Because unfortunately, the next generation are coming through and they're a lot worse. And we wonder why youth mental health is high. We can put as much money and revenue into trying to solve the solve the need up the top of the funnel by better healthcare, et cetera. But if we're not teaching our kids how to connect properly in schools, how do we have better conversations? And there's no way for them to vent besides taking it out on themselves. 
Yeah, such a good point. And I think the phones are that instant gratification. I mean, just when you're out for dinner and you see people sitting with phones instead of talking, it's quite bizarre, <laughs> I have to say. But when you're far away from it, like you just, it really is crazy. If you have notifications on all the time when you're working or, or with other people, you just can't focus on anything. And it's just a really different world. And I also see with kids that, you know, it's so easy to connect over screens now that it's more convenient than actually getting together. Well, this is the thing, Christina. Each one of us now, it's like, you know, love languages, right? How everyone's got their own love language. More than everyone's got their own communication language now. So if I can't get a hold of someone by phone, but I can then get a hold of them instantly via Instagram Messenger or, or WhatsApp or something like that. So <laughs> we now got all these different lanes of communication that doesn't lead to effective communication, I don't believe, or meaningful communication. That's where my biggest concern is. We've got to embrace technology. And if my wife listens to this, she's going to go, you're just as bad as what you're talking about, Cookie. And it's true. Like, I'm addicted to my phone. I I heard an analogy the other day, and this is going to ring true to everyone that listens, but your phone is like a dog lead. So imagine looking at it when you're walking. It feels like the phone is leading you. Who's leading who right now? You know, it's dragging you along in life. You're not dragging it. And... That's the thing that is quite interesting for me is that we've got to embrace technology. It is not going away, but we've got to realize those five or 10 minute moments where we actually have time when a meeting might've got canceled or a person's running late, we've got to get out of the habit of reaching for our phone. They're the moments that we should be stopping and breathing. They're the moments that we should be stopping to look around. That's they're the moments that we should be having a conversation with the person next to us. You know, it's those five to 15 minute moments that we get in our day that we automatically pick up our phone on. They're the ones that need to stop. Yeah, and probably the ones that doesn't really give you anything anyway. So let's go away from technology and talk about paper, which is one of my favorite things. <laughs> so let's talk about the very exciting collab we have done, the Cup Half Full Self-Care Journal. First, why did you want to do a journal? We speak to a lot of experts, Christina, and that's the thing that pops up the most is that reflection piece and and that moment of reflecting on the day that was, but also planning for the day ahead. And one reason why we really wanted to do it is it's not just a self-care journal you can use to put your gratitude in and your ideas and your dreams and all that type of stuff. The thing that we've challenged in this journal is also to challenge you on your connection and your communication with others and your conversations with others. Like what did you learn from the conversations that you had today? That's part of it. Another part of it is is who haven't you spoken to in the last three months and who can you call to reconnect with and have a conversation about? So with Kappa, it's always good to have that reflection piece where people can watch and learn from our experts and reflect on what they've just learned. But then also what do they do moving forward to, to strengthen their own relationships? Yeah, I love it. I'm going to go through some of the questions and I'm going to actually ask you them. How full is your cup today? Today, it is verging on empty. (laughs) And again, fully transparent and honest. I've had a really busy few weeks and a lot of the self-care stuff that I used to do has fallen off the wagon and I'm feeling it now. So for me, it's the small cup in between, I'd say. So for anyone listening, there is three alternatives. So full, okay, or empty. And three things you are grateful for. My family, my beautiful wife and kids. I'm grateful for my morning cuppa that I always have every single day. The double shot latte is still there. And I'm grateful to have a voice and be able to share my story, my journey, and also that of many others. Mm. What is one thing you can do to improve tomorrow? The morning ritual. I'm going to get up tomorrow and go down to the water and realize that I've done something for me. 
instead of doing something for others. Yeah, love that. And something in the journal, there is something you knew you learned today. Did you learn anything? You, I know you had some extraordinary conversations this morning for International Women's Day. Was there something you learned today? Yeah. One of the sessions today was with Dr. Catherine Ball and the question was thrown like, what would it take to us to finally have gender equity? And I've never heard someone say it like this before, but she just basically said money. Money is the issue. We've got all these billionaires and all that type of stuff, yet we've still got kids and families that can't even feed themselves. And so money is probably the biggest thing. And, and I never really thought about that before, about you know the impact that money has on, on that equity equation. And to have her state that just stuck with me because she delivered it in such a way that just was so clear and impactful. Mm, I love that. One thing you did for someone else while well, you're doing this for me, so I can answer you, <laughs> answer that one. Well, is there anything else that you've done? I did. I, I sent a, a gratitude to Jill Hicks, who interviewed all four of the women today. Just an amazing job that she did in that, that interview. And, and she said that the text was timely because she was writing down all the flaws that she remembered during that interview process. So to give confidence to people by saying that they've just done a good job, it's something that is easy to do, especially if you know a mum out there that's struggling with few kids and all that type of stuff just even the the simple text or the voice message just saying hey i'm noticing you and you're doing an amazing job yeah that's beautiful so there's a part in the journal that says tomorrow's connection challenge which i love so call someone who make you feel good so maybe who are the people that we should call to make us feel good are they friends or should we go a little bit outside of our comfort zone what's your thoughts there it's those people that you know can put on a smile for you they're not what one of our experts usually calls the energy vampire. They don't zap the energy out of you. They actually give you the energy. And I know there's one person in particular that when you just sent that question, I'm going to give her a call. Her name's Annie Harvey and she does laughter yoga. It's so fun. Like even just on the phone, just her and I will just burst out laughing and like laughter is so addictive. You know, you just walk away from just that two minutes worth of laughing at each other. And literally sometimes it's forced, but you just walk away. You just go, oh, that feels so good. <laughs> It feels so good. Absolutely. I saw a great speaker last week. He was talking about how we need to get over ourselves and we have to have a laugh. <laughs> and laugh just makes it, things just lighten up so much. And then you have called someone you haven't spoken in three months. If you do this daily, do you have like a little system on like people or, or is this just whoever randomly comes to mind? No, I go through my phone and I look through the phone and I go, oh, I haven't spoken to that person for a long time and I'll just give them a call and leave them a message and say that I'm thinking about them. And once they give me a call back, it's just good to have a conversation. So yeah, it's literally a phone spread. I don't have a system. I literally just scroll from my phone and then the name that pops out is the person that I call. It's really interesting when you do get a hold of that person, there is those moments that the energy of the world is is attracting you for that conversation. And it's interesting what happens from it. Sometimes it's just the laugh. Sometimes it's just good to be connected. Other times it opens up a door. And this is where that whole moment of the power of one and this one moment, like like literally that is a five-minute task. It's that replacing of the technology of doom scrolling, you know. It's the ability to look proactive in life and, and feel good in life. And I love that to me is like one of my best little hacks at the moment. Yeah, love that, love that. And the last one, which is very exciting, is someone who can help you with your dreams. And I love that because most of us who have big dreams have no idea how to do them and always thinking who who can help you is really great. Yeah, you're that person today, Christina. There we go. Thank you, thank you. 
This has been so inspiring. Before we finish up, I want to ask you a couple of questions. One is, I know you you talked a lot about your morning routine. I'm always curious and I would love for you to detail a bit more. Do you have like a set time when you get up or do you do different things each, each day? When I'm in flow, and again, I haven't been in flow the last couple of weeks, the last three or four weeks actually. When I'm in flow, it is I wake up before the sunrise, directly put on my clothes, get out of bed, and then go for a run just to wake up a little bit. It's not a long run. I'm not a runner, but I'll run to the spot just to get the blood flowing. And then watching the sunrise and doing that meditation. I also love listening to music. Like I'm usually got the music on first thing uh, to build up the vibe. And I do have a playlist of tracks that do that. So they're, they're the things that traditionally I link to. Yeah. And when you have a coffee, do you actually sit down and have your coffee or do you have it when you do your cuppa or how do you do it? I usually do it when I'm walking. I very rarely sit to have it. Usually it's the moment. And the reason why I like doing it is because I get out, I get to walk to the coffee shop, which is about 15 minutes away. I then sometimes take a different route depending on the moment that I'm feeling as well. So very rarely is it going in the same direction. Definitely not on days in a row. So no, it's usually when I'm walking and I'm contemplating, it's where a lot of my ideas come from. Love that. Yeah, same here. The other question I have is, do you have a favorite book? And I know that's like asking for your favorite child, which is impossible. So you can choose one that you recently read or one you loved or two is fine too. Well, I think there's a bit of a theme popping up with what I'm loving at the moment. And it's that education that I'm taking on within myself around learning from First Nations people, because I feel like we've been speaking about mental health and mindfulness and all that type of stuff really strongly over the last 15 years. But very rarely do we realize that the actual answer has been underneath our feet for hundreds of thousands of years but we've never really understood it or noticed it or, or even acknowledged the story and the journey. And so I know he's appeared on yours, but you know, Paul Callaghan, The Dreaming Path is one book that really resonated with me. And I think it hit me at the right time as well. But then, you know, there's another one that I've been reading called Belonging by Owen Eastwood. And it's Unlock Your Potential with the Ancient Code of Togetherness. And Again, it's using ancient wisdom to bring people together, to connect together, to empower people to be better in their roles in work, life, sport, but it's all coming from the fundamentals of ancient wisdom. And there's something that is drawing me to these areas because of the fact that I think as a society, we're always trying to overcomplicate things, take over things, become bigger than what we potentially need to be, and we forget our place on this earth and, and while we're here. And these books right now, Belonging by Owen Eastwood and Paul Callaghan are ones that I, I've got post-it notes sticking out of. That's when I know it's been a good book. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't read Belonging, so I'm adding that to my list. I know our listeners always love hearing book tips, so thank you for sharing that. It does have a bit more of a sporting skew because of what Owen has done. However, the fundamentals and the practices of ancient wisdom for all leaders, community leaders, and people that just want to do better in the world. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. And for anyone who hasn't listened to my podcast with Paul Callaghan, it was so good. I loved it. So um, thank you for introducing me to him because I haven't heard of him until I, you started talking about him. So that was amazing. So thank you for that. And last question, knowing what you know now, what would you say to yourself? What kind of advice would you give yourself, say, in your late teens? So you can choose whatever age you like, but your younger self. 
Yes, I've never really reflected on that question. What's coming to the front of my head right now is that you don't know what you don't know and give people time and know that everyone is human. We have way too many tags now. Like I am I'm a male, I'm lesbian, I'm Indigenous. And it's we need those tags because we need to highlight certain areas. But at the end of the day, what I've learned through having conversations with people that are different from me is, is fundamentally everyone's human. If we go into every conversation with vulnerability, with us not knowing that we don't know hardly anything, it means that we can ask those sort of questions and learn better together. I love that. Thank you so much, first for sharing all your wisdom on the podcast, but also for being the most amazing human and support for me over the last couple of years since, since we really started to talk more and especially after Jill's passing. So thank you for being the most amazing human. And I really hope that a lot of our listeners will get your journal, the Kappa journal, which is available on the, at the Dream Life store, but also listening to all your amazing interviews on Kappa TV. So thank you so much for taking the time. I know you have a very, very busy week, so I really appreciate it. I've loved every moment of it, Christina. Thank you. Wow. Gosh, isn't he just amazing and inspiring and just so real? I always love having a conversation with him and I'm so glad I was able to share some of his wisdom with you all today. I hope you are as inspired as I am and I definitely want to reflect more and I definitely want to use the new Kappa journal, which is just so great with all the questions that we spoke about in this conversation. I would love to know what you thought and what you got out of it. So please share in your Dream Live podcast Facebook group. Also, if you want to check out the half full Kappa self-care journal, head over to the dreamlifestore.com. I will link to that in the show notes as well. As always, I will be back next week. Have the most wonderful